Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I am Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about Thor's hammer and the Torment of Tantalus, which introduced us to a very important alien race for the seasons to come, and a piece of history that will help tie some things together. Today we're going to be talking about episodes 11 and 12, Bloodlines and Fire and Water. Bloodlines premiered on October 10th, 1997, was written by Jeff King and Mark Saracini, and directed by Mario Azapardi. Fire and Water premiered on October 17th, 1997, was written by Brad Wright and Catherine Powers, and directed by Alan Eastman. So we're really doing some team building in these two episodes, learning about Teal's family and how important Daniel is to the team. So Arzu, would you give us a quick summary? Sure. So Bloodlines is the Teal'c-centric story. Mm-hmm. So they, you'll have to forgive me. I keep forgetting the planet name. But what's the planet called? Chulak. So they go to Chulak in search of larva, gold larva, to mm-hmm. study um, because Teal'c's immune system is dependent on it. So they're like, well, if that's the case here, what kind of medical applications could it have here? And then I also don't trust the major, so probably biological warfare, too. I don't know. Um, Well, that wasn't their initial reason for going there. That was a happy byproduct. Was the initial Well, kind of. For his son. For his son, yes. Sorry, I thought they wanted to go, and he was like, also my son. So I had that backwards. But they are going both for the larva for medical applications, and more importantly, because Teal'c wants to go stop his son from being implanted with a worm. Because yep. Teal rightly holds the view that to uh, become a Jaffa and like have the Gwald inside you is enslavement, and he wants to spare his son from this fate. They use the medical excuse as a reason to go, but they do eventually come clean about why they're going. And then they all go. So we get to meet his wife and his kid and his old uh, mentor, teacher. Mm-hmm. And while he is initially successful in stopping the implantation, they realize that without it, his son is going to die. So then it becomes a race against the clock to then implant him because there is like a larger reason for why he's going to die, but this is the fix that they have. Right. Yeah. Kind of. Oh, yeah. I'll explain it a little bit more later. We'll get into it. Cause I'm like, from what I understand, this is the only solution. And then in the next episode, fire and water, which I did tell Chelsea before recording, I did find a little confusing. <laughs> the team returns from a mission right at the outset of the episode. Daniel's not with them. Like, where's Daniel? They're like, Daniel is dead. So on the Earth side of things, we are proceeding as though Daniel is dead. On Daniel's side of things, he has been taken hostage by a fish man who would like information on Babylon. Mm -hmm. And for once in his life, Daniel's like, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, Daniel, (laughs) come on now. So he eventually does get the answer and he's like, go by the fish man who is like a friend now. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they, yeah, they're all, they all miss Daniel until Daniel comes back, apparently remembering Babylon all of a sudden. <laughs> I got some thoughts on that, because. Uh, yeah, so I, I think you're, you're blaming him a little bit too much, but okay. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'll get there, but Daniel, if you can show up on a planet, immediately understand the locals, and you're like, oh, yes, this word sounds vaguely like this other ancient word that nobody's ever spoken aloud um before so that must mean this and suddenly you're fluent when he's asking about babylon which is an earth thing try daniel try a little (laughs) harder 
He did, though. He didn't try hard enough. <laughs> it's like that thing where the know-it-all is a know-it-all until the plot demands that they're not a know-it-all. So they're like, I don't know. Okay, I have more thoughts on this, but we'll get into it. We'll get there. (laughs) Okay, so let's do our quote reveal real quick. Um, Last week I gave you the quote, Ah, a minute ago we were warriors of great skill and cunning. And your guess was that SG-1 was initially welcomed and cheered on as great warriors by the locals when they arrive on a new planet. But when something goes awry, the locals suddenly don't value their assistance anymore. And that Jack delivers the line. Um, so you're wrong about who says it. It's Daniel that says it, not Jack. But you were kind of right about the context because yeah. it was, I mean, because they were like getting hyped up as warriors of great skill and cunning by Teal'c to his old master, Raytag. And then they were just kind of, he and there. Sam were kind of like punted to the side. <laughs> <laughs> like Jack and Teal'c were going to go on this like harrowing mission to rescue Teal'c's son and and Sam and Jack are like, okay, I guess we'll just go back to the gate. <laughs> I feel like because the context is right, I should get a point for this. Okay, okay. I'll give you Yay. a point. Okay, so <laughs> Teal'c's episode. Um, I feel like my initial thoughts about this is just that why has Teal'c taken so long to mention the fact that he has a family? Runs in the team. I'm almost wondering if they didn't initially have Teal'c with a family when they launched the show and then realized that he can sometimes be kind of a bland character because he's so stoic mm-hmm. so they needed to give him a bit more backstory and depth and they're like oh well, let's you know invent a family for him but then it just makes him but it makes him look like a bad father and a bad husband because it's been I don't know probably like nine months or something and this is a very uh, TV thing to do. Totally different series, but my favorite show is ER. And George Clooney's character has a son. Dr. Ross has a son in the early seasons. You don't see him. He does talk about him when it's plot relevant. You don't hear about him again after like season two. You never see him. And he only ever talks about the daughters he has on on the show. So I feel like TV writers would just give the character a family to be like, see, they're not just the, be it the playboy or the stoic mm-hmm. soldier. They have an internal life. Right. But if they never come back, if Teal's family never comes back, then I'd be side-eyeing this choice a little bit, but I don't know. Like, do they, they do come, come back? back. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, maybe the intention in giving him a family was not great, but at least they'll like see it through. Yeah. Yeah, the um, actress playing his wife ends up getting recast, but the characters do come back. Yeah, which is a shame because I really like that actress. But yeah, yeah there's, I just there's some think good it's like chemistry there. Yeah, I just thought it was too bad that it just kind of <laughs> makes Teal'c look bad. But then again, an argument in his favor for why he didn't mention them before was because that could make him. A liability for joining SG-1, which General Hammond talks about. And it's like, well, you know, if if he has a family back there, then that would make him more likely to betray us if there was a situation where he needed to in order to save his family. Which is probably why General Hammond says that. Like, it's for the audience, because I thought, like, that was a pretty abrupt position from he's, like, a valued member of the team to he's a liability. Like, he's mm. the same guy he was, like, he's been for the last nearly year. Mm. But suddenly he's a liability. So I'm like, okay, so that's 
that's why he never said anything. Like it was almost a way to rationalize his choice to us. Yeah. Via General Hammond. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But yeah, I, I do really like this episode for introducing Braytac. He will come back a lot. Uh, I love him so much because <laughs> he's so sassy. <laughs> and he like kicks butt despite being, how old did he say he was? Like 133. 133. Yeah. Okay, Looking but here's good. here's what I thought was funny. Was he's like, if I was a hundred years younger, mm-hmm. so you know, me thinking a hundred years younger, that's got to be like an incremental thing. And then mm-hmm. you know, he's like four hundred years old, so it's like a marginally younger. But he's like, I'm a hundred and thirty three. I'm like, so if you were thirty three years old, I'm like, so do do they like plateau age wise? Do they just age really slowly? Is this like a Baby Yoda situation where thirty three is actually like fourteen? Like. Is, so, is Teal's son like 40? I don't know. Um, so it's basically that since they're implanted with the larva and the, the Gould symbiote is their immune system, it's slowing their aging process. Uh, okay. So it's basically because they're basically blessed, well, quote unquote blessed, like it's not really blessed, but you know, <laughs> with long life, you know, probably the average age span would be about 150 years for a Jaffa. Okay. So, so I mean, it's, you age it, normally yeah. till you're implanted, and then it slows. Right, but they're you well, they're implanted when they're very young, though. Because I mean, Ryak is what like 10 or so. Oh, really? His son? Yeah. yeah I thought he was a little older. Okay, I don't know, 10 or 12. But still, I don't like tell. I guess you would still yeah. incrementally age slower. So 33 yeah. would be like 20s. Right. Yeah, that'd be like at your prime for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, like, even if you're getting implanted at like 10 or 12, then you're not going to become a soldier right away. There's going to be lots of, you know, training and stuff. Yeah. That, I think that would be like when you start your training is when you get implanted. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, kind of going back to what you were saying in your summary. So they end up needing a larva for Ryak because Tilk was too late for the ceremony. The ceremony did already take place because the Jaffa are not born with those pouches. Right. They're, they're human like we are. And the ceremony was to create the pouch and then put the larva in it. So he only got there in time to prevent the larva from being put in it. But the pouch was already created. So the ceremony was already basically done. Okay. All right. I do like that their clothes have little pouch flaps. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very convenient. <laughs> okay. So it was because of the ceremony. I misunderstood. I thought they had the pouch already and like he's mm-hmm. just ill. No. In some way. No. And yeah. So one thing that made me frustrated with Teal was that he waited until the day that he knew it would be happening to go back and try to stop it from happening. And I'm like, if you had gone literally one day earlier, you could have prevented the ceremony. Which, okay, we could have gotten around this issue were it not for like a specific bit of dialogue where where Teal'c is like, tomorrow is the day of, like, like he he's on Earth. He's keeping Chulak time somehow. Yeah. We're going to put that aside for a second. But yeah. he's somehow keeping like, accurate chulak time on earth mm-hmm. and i'm like okay if they hadn't said that i'd be able to believe that he just 
was assuming like he had an estimate of when it would be and right. he thought he was going early but he actually just made it like right on time yeah that's not what happened so no he knew exactly what the day was and just decided to go that day and i'm like you idiot you could have gone one day earlier babe teal come on like i am a procrastination queen um but even i wouldn't have waited that long it's it's an sg1 thing where like we think of you know space travel worms everything else our families right <laughs> yeah that's the very bottom we, we repress our familial stuff apparently i understand now why daniel doesn't talk about sheree or actually <laughs> by flip that around why teal doesn't talk about his wife because well daniel doesn't talk about his i guess it's just not a thing we do around here <laughs> right and jack doesn't talk about his well jack has his reasons yeah at least jack's I mean... like I got a divorce. Like, I'm not talking about my wife because she's not in my life. Whereas these two are, like, supposedly still married. And they're like, who? Although I'm not sure that divorce exists on Tulak. So I I wonder if Teal'c, like, understands what divorce is, you know? Or if he thinks they're still married. What? Jack and his wife? Yeah. I mean, separation is probably something he's familiar with. Yeah, separation, definitely. But yeah, I, I feel like they're a lot more traditional on Tulak. Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, because Braytac comes up like a woman to <laughs> Sam. So, you know. Yeah, that's true. They don't. Well, I say I don't think they really have any women warriors. They do have women priestesses who work in the temple. And like we saw one in the first episode who has like the Apophis's queen, like the, the Jaffa the lady Jaffa who was holding the queen was a right. priestess. So there are women in some levels of power, but not but not, like... not widespread. Yeah. Although that doesn't stop Dryak from like doing her thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like Dryak. She's spicy. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. And I think she was totally in the right for being mad at Tilk for disappearing yeah and because like i guess like he just assumed that they would be fine if he left and that his family wouldn't be punished for what he did and it's like my dude obviously your family is going to get punished for what you did yeah i just how do i put this i wonder if it's like an out of sight out of mind thing yeah yeah i don't know He's just hoping for the best. Yeah. And I also understand, like, her point of view. Because even if, let's say that whatever she's heard about what he's done is some version of the truth. Skewed, maybe, but some version of the truth. Like, why would she think that him going against everything she knows to be true was the right thing to do? Even if he's, if we know he's right, you know? Yeah. So, I don't blame her. It's a bad idea, but I don't blame her. Yeah, totally. And I thought that uh, Braytech probably could have been a better friend because, I mean, he's really close with Teal'c and he knew that Teal'c's wife and son were sent to live in the traitor's camp and he never, but he didn't know which one. Apparently there's more than one traitor's camp for one thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is interesting. Um, <laughs> he got so many of those. It's like, maybe we should maybe rethink more the strategy. <laughs> But so he didn't know which camp she was living in and when Ryak would be going through his ceremony. And it's like, I don't know, maybe he's not allowed to go to the traitors camps. 
But that just seems like a bad friend to not check up on your friend's wife and kid when he leaves, you know? I mean, Freytag's not the most normal person. He does bite Daniel <laughs> for some reason. Because so. he can. He wanted to. And so. it's not even like an aggressive, like, it's like biting like the bone on his wrist. And I'm like, why was that the first thing you could reach? I don't know. <laughs> it was accessible. Well, going forward, Braytech does become a much better friend. I think he actually does keep his word about like looking after Tilt's wife and son and, and stuff like that. So, cool. Like, that's, that's good. <laughs> he steps up after this. <laughs> so, let's talk about the uh, little side quest. So, yes. Sam and Daniel go and find some symbiotes, some primta, some little worms. Uh huh. Worms and, in a tank. Yeah, and they like brought like a thermos with them to try to bring one back. And I'm like, why didn't you bring a bigger thermos? You only brought a thermos big enough for one. Why don't you bring like a lunchbox? Yeah, bring two. Like, <laughs> yeah. what if something happens to one? Like, you need to, I don't know, give it to Teal or something. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that was just bad, like poor planning from the beginning <laughs> to only bring one container. The little hutch. Mm-hmm. wall sort of thing where the where the premiums were stored mm-hmm. was very elaborate for an outdoor worm aquarium yeah i, was I thought it was a door too. yeah and I, I was kind of like it's so weird that these are just kind of out in the open not even it seems like they were kind of not even in the actual temple but a yeah. little bit separate so what i had thought when they were walking up and you couldn't really see the tank what I thought when they were walking up was that the black sort of archway where the tank is was like a door that went mm-hmm. under the ground and into the temple slash castle thing in the background. I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool design. Like that the door is out here and that the entrance is built into the environment. Like I'm like, oh, cool. Um, but no, like this elaborate convoy of people stop in front of the tank, like pour a spoon of water in there and then just keep walking. And I'm like, why are the worms outside if they matter this much? If they're like they're sacred. Because everybody's right. really upset when they find out that Daniel like shot the tank and killed the worms. Right. So the only thing I could think is that they think that Chulak is so well guarded that nobody would reach that point. But that was obviously a very unwise decision. Yeah, uh, and maybe clearly. it's like, I don't know, maybe it's like the location is based on convenience yeah could be but i feel like at the very least they if it's going to be out in the open like that they should have a couple of guards there permanently and they don't they're just that arrogant yeah that trusting of the people who guard the gate but i mean i don't think there's even normally people who guard the gate that's the other thing they just think that nobody's going to come through the gate and try to ambush them in any way because it doesn't normally have guards there well, i think there were two and yeah like Tilk was saying he was ex- escorting some prisoners or something but like two guards can be fought pretty easily yeah i have no idea yeah except that it's one of those things where they clearly didn't think it through yeah i also think it's interesting that apophis has become such a central place for the Primta in the first place. Because as far as I know, so even though Apophis has a queen, 
who is, you know, inside Charay. Mm-hmm. There's two different types of queens when it comes to the gold. Okay. So there's like the queen in name, which is what she is. It's mm-hmm. just like, you know, normal human, normal gold implanted into her. And so the gold themselves, like the larva, are basically a gender. And okay. they, whatever host that they're currently occupying is whatever gender they are. So like, you know, Apophis is the gold inside of him could choose a different host as a woman mm-hmm. and still be Apophis, but in a woman's body. And so they're kind of, yeah, I mean, they're agender in that way and that they can take any kind of host that they want and they may or may not change their identity because of it. But then there is an actual gold queen that are the ones that produce more gold. Okay. And so as far as I know, Apophis does not have one of those reproducing queens on his planet. So I'm wondering where he's getting all these Primta from to start with. It's behind that door where the tank is. (laughs) That's what's really back there. (laughs) Just someone locked up. Yeah. 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 Given birth to worms. Yeah. What'd you do? <laughs> I mean, maybe the gold that's in Charay is a queen. Is it, is it the other kind of queen too? But I don't think she is, unless I'm misremembering. But I'm pretty sure she's just a normal gold. Do we find out? So, I mean, we do find Charay again eventually. So I guess I'll have to pay more attention and try to listen to see if she's an actual queen or not but yeah from what i remember she's not so then i'm wondering if he like apophis has like a trade going in primta (laughs) it's possible i mean you don't sustain a ring of enslaved guards without one i don't know yeah i'm going based off of 12 episodes here yeah yeah, I don't know either. I'm not. I mean, unless there's something I'm forgetting, then we don't really get this question answered and where they get all those Primta from. But it's from the Primta stork. <laughs> That's my official answer. From the Primta factory. Yep. See, when a mommy Primta and a daddy Primta love each <laughs> other very much, it's magic. Yeah. Yeah, they were. I did think it was funny how Braytac was really mad that Daniel killed all of those primta that were in the the tank yeah and i'm like you don't like the gold you braytag taught tilk to not like the gold so why are you mad i think it's like one of those things where you are railing against your government or your religion or whatever and then the minute somebody else does you're like hang on a second (laughs) it's not your place to make that comment yeah. Or I'm wondering if maybe he doesn't see that as like a workable solution to overthrow the gold. Cause I mean, it's not really, they're always going to get more Primta from somewhere else. And that's just going to like in the more immediate time, that's going to prevent the Jaffa who are on Chulak from getting new Primta when they need them mm-hmm. as opposed to overthrowing the gold. Cause that's definitely not going to overthrow anybody. Yeah. So it could, yeah, it could just be that he needed something sustainable. Yeah. And that wasn't it. And now not only is that not a sustainable solution, but Daniel has tipped their hand, so to speak. Right. 
Yeah, that's true. Now they know that outsiders were there. Yeah. I still think that the helmets for the Jaffa are really silly because they're so huge. And if you think about like where somebody's eyes are, they're definitely not way up high where the red eyes are and the serpent head of the helmet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do they see out? Is there like Maybe- a periscope? Like like um like a Disneyland costume and the eyes are like in the mouth, <laughs> like they're at eye level in like a like a screen like you can see through a slat or something. But there's not a mouth and it's all armor plating. There's like a slit between those two armor pieces and you can like peek through it. I mean, it doesn't look. Or there's like, like a series of mirrors in there that help them see. Well, out that's what I'm saying. Like a little periscope. Yeah, like a little way that. It's just so goofy to me because it's, it doesn't make any sense. Like These are the worst helmets. They're all for show. Well, and just like if you're going into battle, can you imagine trying to fight with your staff weapons wearing those huge things? <laughs> you're just going to be all over the place. Maybe it's like a part intimidation thing. Like you're wearing it so that people oh, are sure. going to fight you anyway. For sure. I do... I do like that, you know, Teal'c busts out the armor with the big helmet and whatever, and then the three of them want to go with him, so they get these cute little robes. Mm-hmm. It's like, aw. <laughs> okay. Well, I made a note that in the first episode, we did not see Teal'c carrying his helmet with him when he went to Earth. So, where did he get the helmet from? He got it from the same plot device helmet store that Kylo Ren got Darth Vader's helmet from. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a discount that day, so. Yeah, so they just, just they, you know, they all went shopping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he made himself a new one. He <laughs> <laughs> ah, got some downtime. He made a new helmet. <laughs> okay. Um, although, going back to the, like, how it would be really hard to fight in those things that is actually addressed in the Stargate movie, which is made by completely different people because they also had, they had different helmets, but also completely unrealistic in that the, the head of the, it wasn't a serpent. Yeah, it, was. it was the, no, it was a Falcon head. Right. Because it was Ra's guard. Yeah. Apoph- yeah. yeah Apophis the serpent. I think Ra was Eagle head, something like that. Anyway, or Falcon, whatever. Um, a bird. Yeah. And the uh, in the director's cut of the movie, they actually talk about how in every fighting scene with the what the, they didn't call them Jaffa, but the guards wearing these heads, you never see a shot, a full body shot of a guard wearing that helmet and attacking at the same time. Right. Because there's always, the yeah, there's always either only a body shot or only the victim getting struck. And huh. that's because like the actors who were in those who had those helmets on legitimately could not see. <laughs> I believe it cuz you know the the Jaffa might build themselves a little periscope mirror system but the actors certainly didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm ready to uh <laughs> stop with this helmet. And like later on, as we see more and more Jaffa and more and more Gould, whenever they're in, like SG One is infiltrating like a ship or another planet, it's more frequent that they don't have helmets on at all because it's so impractical. 
I did notice though with the others on the planet what you were saying about teal having like the gold mark on his head because he's mm-hmm. fir- first prime yeah and everybody else just has a little sharpie circle uh-huh yeah so i remember you said that before and i yep. noticed it today yep everyone just had a normal black tattoo some of them are all fancy they put some silver in there <laughs> the priests i didn't notice that oh the pri- well the priests priest. could be a little bit different probably just a little extra you know yeah i did this is uh, ours's shallow corner for the episode. Tilk being grumpy and authoritative. <laughs> yes. Poison, I just think that Tilk having more personality than usual. Sense. He had personality. He was growly. He was grabbing people by the wrist. I'm just saying, Tilk, if it's not working out with your wife, <laughs> just let me know. Yeah. He, he loves strong, independent women. So, So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did think it was interesting that, like, it, it makes me wonder if um, Drax still doesn't necessarily forgive Teal'c for what he did because they don't, like, kiss goodbye or anything. Maybe. might It might also not be a custom a j- there. Yeah. Hmm. You're not Jaffa just because you have a gold, gold in you, are you? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Like, she's not. Um, or does she have one, too? I don't think she has one. Because I almost said it's not a Jaffa custom, but I'm like, maybe she's not Jaffa. No, but I mean, it's kind of like Jaffa, like, societal custom, like, right. as a whole. So a a ch- Chulak custom. Or yeah, not think, a Chulak custom, is the case, maybe. I think the only women who are Jaffa are the priestesses, I think. Okay. Yeah, because the women are definitely not allowed to fight, and the Jafar are soldiers, so. Yeah. And yeah, Braytac used to be first prime. The, I, I did think it was weird that there was, like, one... He was talking to another guard, and the guard didn't know who he was. And I'm like, this guy used to be first prime. Like, granted, it may have been 50 years ago, but I feel like growing up, you would have learned who the previous first primes were. If they're still alive, yeah. you know, or at okay. least like you see the first prime marking on his head. Like, obviously, he used to be somebody important. Could it trustworthy. Be, was it like genuine, do you think? Or was it like, I don't know who you are, but like you do. It don't seem genuine to me. So somebody is not teaching this. This random guard. Idiot. Yeah. He's an idiot. Yeah. And I was wondering if Braytac's cape is like a sign of his retirement or if that's just like a personal flair. <laughs> I really don't know. I feel like he's the only one who ever has one. So <laughs> He's a drama. He bit Daniel. He's a yeah. drama queen. Maybe once you retire, you're allowed to add some embellishments. And bite people. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have anybody to answer to anymore, so he can bite whoever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah you ready to go to the next episode let's do it you can't see if you're listening but i'm dancing in my chair <laughs> so did you were you initially shocked that daniel was dead i was until i remembered that we're keeping a tally um, <laughs> of how many times they die and come back so yeah it's like it's not forever no it's not forever 
I, I was uh, really it was really nice to see like how upset they all were that he died. Like, oh good. They care about him more yeah. than he cares about his wife. <laughs> well, because it seems like they haven't really known each other for that long necessarily. And I mean probably less than a year at this point. But it was nice that they like were really genuinely moved by his death. I mean, like I don't want to dismiss it, but like it is a trauma bond too, like even though oh, yeah, that's strictly true. traumatized. Because they've, they they've, they've been, been literally so killed. Yeah. yeah. They did actually die for a minute. Yeah, they've been killed. Jack aged very quickly. Sam mm-hmm. was almost pulled off. Like, all of this stuff has happened together. So that mm-hmm. that will, you know, bind people. Yeah. I was thinking about the, the funeral. And they had, like, a military funeral for Daniel. I was like, I feel like that's a little bit weird since he's not military. But I guess they're probably not allowed to. They can't say anything about how he died. No, but I mean, they could still like report him as dead and get a death certificate and everything. So then why not have maybe this because they knew that he didn't have any living family. Yeah. And so there wasn't anybody to organize a funeral in the first place so that they would just have one there on base. Yeah, it could be. It could it could be too that like they considered him like like a ranked civilian kind of thing right Hmm. part of the time though that i was watching the funeral scene i was just thinking about how like they put the wreath on the event horizon to kind of push through and so it goes through the stargate to the other side Mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking about this fish dude (laughs) seeing the stargate (laughs) open (laughs) and like a random dead plant comes through the stargate (laughs) i thought they were gonna hang it there so it just stays like right in the middle and then they pushed it through i'm like all right i hope that goes where you want it to (laughs) well it's just like there's now like a a wreath on the ground on this other planet and like i don't think it's there when they go back (laughs) So where did the fish, fish you threw do- it out? Yeah, what did he do with it? He's like, what? What's up with this dead plant? He's like, I don't know what this is. Clearly <laughs> hostile. I wonder if he threw it in one of those fires. Could have, because he doesn't know what it is. All he knows is this plant appeared through the event horizon. No, this could be toxic. I'm gonna get rid of it. Exactly. Maybe he thinks it's a weapon. Yeah, poisonous plants. Yeah, revenge for taking one of their own. So what did you think of Fish Dude? He was scary a little bit. Um, Yeah. Like, I jumped when he was trying to get Daniel to, like, answer his questions. Daniel's like, I don't understand. And then he just kind of Mm -hmm. screamed at him and, like, (laughs) threw this light that, like, knocked Daniel over. And I was like, oh, he's genuinely scary. Like, shape of water, this is not, you know, so. Well, you know, he has been missing his honey buns for hundreds of years, so he's a so little testy. It is a little shape of water then, I guess. Um, <laughs> I have not seen that movie, so I don't know the reference. Well, my friends call it Grinding Nemo, if that helps at all. Oh, okay. So. Good to know. Yeah. But yeah, he was a little bit scarier than I thought, because then fish dudes generally are. <laughs> I don't usually find fish dudes to be particularly scary. But, uh, yeah. I mean, he ended up being a good guy. It's just that he didn't know what happened to him. Yeah. 
Like you suddenly realize how animal he is. And then it's like, whoa. I mean, it was justified because he is angry. But looking to see when Babylon was prominent. The real Babylon? Yeah. It looks like, okay, abandoned in 1000. Okay, so he's asking Daniel about Babylon. Yeah. And Daniel, the know-it-all, is like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because all of the information has been lost or, like, we have very little information. I'm like, but you do, in fact, have information. So yes. what's the truth, Daniel? Okay, well, I think you're being a little too hard on Daniel. I so I think am, yes. This is one of those things where, I mean, Daniel has studied languages quite a lot. But he even mentions in this episode that he only read the specific references to Babylon and the specific people that the fish dude is talking about one time in grad school. So, I mean, it would be like asking you, can you tell me the exact plot and all the character names in the yellow wallpaper? You know, just because you were an English major. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's a famous short story. I've not read it. <laughs> so, so there you go. This is my point. This is like somebody asking you some obscure reference from something that you may or may not have even read one time in school. And they're threatening to kill you if you can't remember the details. But I feel like I would I hold to a higher standard somebody who hears a word that sounds vaguely like a word that nobody has ever spoken aloud on an alien world and goes, oh, yes. And then immediately communicates with the locals. Because he specifically studied languages. And when you're studying a language, you're not going to only study one text. You're going to be studying multiple texts in that language. So you're going to know the language better than you know the specific texts that you learned it through. His know-it-all-isms failed him. <laughs> You're being too judgmental. That's what I do. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start asking you um, random literary questions and see how many you remember. Watch how disappointed you get. They're going to take my degree away. <laughs> I feel I should say for the record, my English lit program, mm -hmm. a lot of my profs likes to emphasize stuff people probably wouldn't have read. Mm-hmm otherwise so like never read a bronte book mm. just didn't come up took a middle english course without ever once reading chaucer so i'm just saying you're gonna be very disappointed <laughs> yeah okay but i still think my argument holds that uh, i'm sure yeah. it does i just <laughs> needed to rag on daniel a little bit <laughs> and i mean they are using a memory device to help him remember and he does eventually like which makes me think that he must have like a photographic memory or something. Because if I read something once 15 years ago, there's no way that I'm going to remember it, even with a special memory device. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like uh, Fish Dude was a little aggressive at first, but I mean, he came around when Daniel started remembering stuff. Yeah, because he got what he wanted. Yeah. And I, I really liked the way that he said, What to fate, Amaroka? It was so much dramatic. <laughs> I, this isn't fish dude related, it's um, SG-1 back on Earth related. But when they're having the little, um, the military funeral for Daniel, I like that they bought Teal'c a little suit. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't get sharp. a military uniform, obviously, but he, they got a little suit. Uh-huh. Then he got a cowboy hat later. Yeah. 
I just thought that was cute. He, yeah, he did look beautiful. He, anytime that he has to leave the base, he has to wear some sort of hat to cover up his uh, gold Jafal yeah. mark. Um, and it's always amusing to see what kind of hats they come up with for him. Because <laughs> it's not always a cowboy hat. <laughs> oh, good. It'd be boring yeah. if it were. No. They change it up sometimes. But I, I like the cowboy hat. I think he looks good in it. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Something you probably would never guess is that the fish dude, the actor in the fish dude suit, is a High Counselor Tuplo from the Broken Divide episode. Oh. Yeah. In the power of makeup. Yeah. Same dude. This is the first time that we have an acknowledgement of an alien race other than the gold coming to Earth. With the fishman? Uh-huh. Because it's fishwife. Right. On Earth. In Babylon. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Which makes me wonder if she had some kind of disguise or if she just walked around like a fish lady. She probably walked around like a fish lady and everyone was like, whoa, a god. And she's like, yeah, that's what's going on here. <laughs> Yeah. It's just so yeah. It's so interesting to think about something who's clearly an alien walking around Babylon and like it not in but see I would feel like she must have had a disguise because that had to have ended up in somebody's writing somewhere, you know? Like that's not something that you just forget about. Maybe she was one of those like priestesses or like medicine women who like just sat in their hut all day with like a robe. I'm making this up. Mm. I don't know if that was a Babylonian thing, but like, you know, like one of those historical figures who was like historically very reclusive and like didn't right. interact with people a lot. Like if that was the role she filled. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I have so many questions about this race as a whole. Like where is everybody else? It seems like they were trying to fight the gold. Did the gold kill the rest of them? That's my I mean, assumption. If, if they're supposed to be like many and there's only one, I'm like, Oh, well they all got killed. Well, I mean, we know that his his lady got killed, but she was supposedly the only one who went to Earth. So what happened to all the other ones? Maybe she went to Earth to get away from the gold. No, she went there to fight them because that's what they specifically talks about. I'm trying to rationalize this. <laughs> she went to get away from them. They followed her there. So she fought them or they a bunch of them went and got killed very quickly. Yeah, I feel sorry for fish, dude. Now, only. is this text that Daniel was reading on the wall, is that one of the texts that we saw in the episode with the writing on the wall? No. No, okay. No, the text on this wall was, like, excerpts from Babylonian history. Okay. Because he's like, oh, yeah, I, I recognize, like, the people that this is talking about. Okay. All the writing yeah. is kind of starting to look the same to me, so I wasn't sure. Yeah. Well, plus the fact that he could actually read it, whereas the um, Torment of Tantalus episode with the four different languages, he could only read the Norse one. Right. Yep. This is all starting to run together. Linguistically. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's lots of, we meet lots of alien planets that have different languages, but. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Some are more important than others. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, too, that this episode is the first time, at least, that we see... Oh, no, I guess it's not. I was thinking it was the first off-world death. But I guess in the um, episode with Captain Hansen, there, yeah. most of his team was killed off-world. First significant off-world death. Yeah. 
first SG one off world death. Yeah, and death because he didn't even really die. Oh, that's true. I mean, that happened in um, the Knox episode too. Okay, I just have a really bad memory. Then they've had, <laughs> they've had several just... deaths, <laughs> but I guess it's the first time that we've seen memorial done. Yeah, because they didn't show one for Kowalski. No, because they didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> or it happened off camera. Yeah. I more mean, charitable probably, read. They probably just like ran out of time to like be able to do that. What I want to know mm-hmm. with the wake that they had for Daniel, if Daniel yeah. has no living family and everybody who needed to say bye to him was at the military funeral, what purpose does the wake serve? Well, I mean, the funeral would be to like honor his death but then the wake would be to honor his life but why not immediately do that following the funeral with like drinks on base because who who else is like who else needs to be there well it could be either they wanted a less formal venue or maybe they're not allowed to have alcohol on the base okay and they wanted to be able to have that kind of stuff just want to cut loose jack just wants to hit a car with a golf club Mm-hmm. Or not a golf club. Was it a golf club? Yeah, it was. Uh, was it a baseball club? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Jack was hitting the car with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did it at Jack's house, um, which we see several times. Also very surprised that Daniel's journal mentions Sheree by name. <laughs> okay, that was last time for this episode. It's okay. You're allowed to roast him. <laughs> It does make me wonder, though, who, like, I'm assuming that Daniel has, like, a will made up. So I wonder who was supposed to get, I mean, obviously all of the um, alien stuff would have to go to the SGC because it's classified. But yeah. anything from before his time at the SGC, I it wonder, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering who he listed on his will to get all of that. Probably Jack. And then, like, it, scientifically relevant stuff, probably, to a museum. But Well, yeah, that's what something that Sam was saying. Like, maybe they'll donate all this stuff to a museum. Like, I guess that means that the SGC or somebody in the SGC now can lay claim to all of his stuff. Yeah, probably. Oh, with the um, fish guy, I did think it was interesting that he actually spoke such a small amount of English to like accurately reflect an alien who doesn't really speak English. Yeah. As opposed to all these other worlds where everybody knows English. And was like, hey, I'm from Chicago. I'm like, you sure are. <laughs> yeah, he actually spoke like, yeah, I only know 10 words of English. I mean, I get that like if they were to do that all the time for everybody, it would be exhausting. Yeah. But I like that when it matters, they really lean into that. But it also, make, it kind of makes me wonder if they're only doing that because he's a fish dude. Oh, because he's not, not human. Good. That's not good. You're like, obviously, the fish dude can't learn English, you know, which is dumb because, like, obviously, his wife, you know, went to Earth and communicated just fine. He didn't bother learning. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't necessarily speaking English, but I mean, she would be speaking human languages. He also didn't bother to learn. I think it'd be very funny. I mean, I don't know that we know what Babylonian sounds like, but it would be very funny if he just started speaking fluent Babylonian to Daniel. And Daniel's like, what? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure that there's a Babylonian language. Wouldn't it be Greek? Would it? 
Like Greek, Arabic, Hebrew, like one of those languages? Uh, I mean, they, well, they had cuneiform. So whatever Babylonian language is being spoken then. I just think it would be very funny if it was like a fluent speaking and Daniel's just like, I don't understand. Now I want to know. What did they speak? I feel like it's so old. Like Akkadian. Akkadian was the most important language spoken and written in the ancient Near East between the 3rd and 1st millennia BCE. Well, there we go. Start speaking fluent Akkadian. <laughs> also known as Babylonian and Assyrian. Well, people still speak Assyrian. Yeah. So Daniel well, should know it. Well, he, he, did, he does read Akkadian because he was reading the writing. On the, the writing on the wall was in a, was cuneiform. Okay, so the fishman should have been speaking Akkadian. Yeah, I don't know why he wasn't. Maybe he only had like some examples of it and wasn't like fluent in it himself. I don't know. Yeah, this so Akkadian is the earliest documented Semitic language. It used the cuneiform script, uh, which was also originally used to write the unrelated and also extinct Sumerian. There we go. Oh, later down the line, as the languages kind of changed, mm-hmm. it, it kind of morphed into Assyrian and Babylonian. Well, there we go. As so, Akkadian but, was dying out. But depending on when Fishman's wife was there, could have been right. any of those languages. Right. So what I'm saying is I would have loved if Fishman just starts babbling in Babylonian. <laughs> and Daniel's like, cool. I speak Babylonian. <laughs> well we know he speaks Acadian so or at least he can read Acadian I guess to me that's the question is there's a difference between being able to read it and being able to speak it yeah I feel like if you mm, no you're right yeah you're right because like I can read Spanish way better than I can speak Spanish same because you don't have to come up with the words yourself the words are presented yeah. to you yeah exactly it's like how I understand Italian, but I don't speak Italian. Mm. Well, you're doing better than me on that front. I don't think I could even understand it. I mean, I, may, because I might be Spanish. able to read a little bit. Yeah, I might be able to read a little bit of it, but not like I could even with Spanish. Ten days in Italy, by the time the trip was over, I'm like, yeah, I speak Italian. I don't speak Italian. <laughs> but I thought I did. <laughs> Few, like, funny things I was thinking about. Oh, Fish Guy. We've just been calling him Fish Guy. His name is actually Nem. Sounds an awful lot like Nemo. <laughs> it's Nemo without the O. <laughs> yeah, so Nem. Um, I thought it was really funny how when he was swimming from his, like, underwater home to the surface... He was making a lot of bubbles. And I'm like, you're not very stealth for being somebody who clearly lives in the water. Maybe he (laughs) likes the bubbles. (laughs) He like, we already know he's dramatic. Mm -hmm. Because he got mad at Daniel and went rah and like threw light at him. So we know he's dramatic. That's true. So with that in mind, Mm -hmm. he also rises to the surface in as dramatic fashion as possible. I guess so. I was saying maybe it's like a strategic thing, like, hey, don't shoot, you know, like <laughs> it's a lot better than what I was gonna say. Were you gonna maybe say? his like head tentacle piece like retains all this water to help him like stay below. So when he's coming up he needs to like evacuate <laughs> so it all like blah, 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 blah. Well, you know like a decompression. That's, that's not dumb. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I'm just thinking about in terms of scuba diving, because like, I mean, the air compresses as you go deeper. So in order to like stay stabilized in the water at, at more depth, you need more air in your BC. And then when you come up, you need to let out the air because it'll expand and make you ascend much more rapidly than you want to. Mm-hmm. So it absolutely could have something to do with how he retains air in his body. There we go. Oh, you're so smart. Didn't, <laughs> didn't make it very far in science, but apparently it did retain some stuff. <laughs> um, I also thought it was funny how Nem said that he's okay with being friends, quote, in time. And I'm like, my dude. You are at minimum 1,000 years old. Probably at least double that. So does that mean you're going to get back to us in another 1,000 years? He's going to show up in 1,000 years with a bottle of wine and be like, Daniel, let's hang out. Like Daniel's dead. (laughs) Daniel's been dead for a long time. Daniel's been dead a while. And like, who who knows who even it's going to be on the other side of the Earth's Stargate at that point. Like... Is Earth civilization even going to exist anymore? You know, with all this climate change. Well, maybe he'll just be able to swim through the Stargate. If mm, it's <laughs> onto a drowned Earth, oh no. <laughs> Depressing. It's like a dark. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was really anyway. funny because it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. But uh, I do feel bad for him if he really is alone. It could be that there's like a whole village of his people that we just don't see. Mm hmm. So, I mean, maybe they're not dead. Maybe he's just, that's just his house. Yeah. I don't know. Less depressing to think of that way. Yeah, that's true. With Daniel's, like, swimming through the water, or really with all of them swimming through the water, because they all had to be transported through the water to get their memories erased in the first place, I guess that means that all of their gear is waterproof, like the, um, the, I don't remember what they're called, their little wristband things where they punch in the code to be able to open the iris those yeah. must be those must be waterproof then because they all got wet yeah i would think so like especially i mean it's not water in the stargate right it just looks like water no it just looks like water it's yeah actually but they don't they don't know what element they're walking into right so right i would think they would at least weatherproof it a little well i mean it's one thing to be like rainproof and it's another thing to be submerged under who knows how many feet of water. Yeah, but I would think, like, especially if it's military issue, that they would prep for submersion. Yeah. And that's then... true. I do love the fact that, like, Nem's house underwater has... I thought it was funny how there was both, like, a normal-sized door and, like, a huge window, but they served the same function. <laughs> So I wasn't really sure what the point of this happen- of having both. Depends who's coming and going. But I mean, they're so... Like, it's in the same room. If it was in different rooms, that would make sense. But like, if something big needs to come in and out, can't use the door. But I mean, he could just leave the door open all the time? I don't know. I don't know. I was confused about, like... sense of this. I don't know. Like, why did he open the big door in the first place? Just for the ambiance? Vibes. That's exactly it. He liked the vibe. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't understand the point of having both that and the little door. But it was pretty. Yes. Like, I mean, I would totally keep the big one open for vibes, too. It was nice. Yeah. Anything else on this episode you want to talk about? No. We covered my uh, confusion. Okay, that's good. So we got a new strong woman character in Bloodlines with Tilk's uh, wife, Dreyak. But no new characters in Fire and Water. So what did you think about the women representation of these episodes? I liked Teal'c's wife as a character. Um, I guess she didn't really interact with Sam, but yeah, I don't think there was much of a reason for her to. No. And then I guess we got the doctor in uh, yeah in the second one, yeah. who you said is going to come back, right? Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. So I mean, I liked them as characters, and I think we're definitely starting to inch away from those harmful stereotypes. Yeah, um, I would like to see them interact with each other a little more, but yeah, baby steps. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that the episodes need to pass the Bechdel test in order to be good episodes. Um, no, I don't think so. I just but, think it's like something to think about. Yeah, for sure. Just need more representation overall. Do you think the episodes hold up for a modern audience? Okay. Yeah, actually, I do. I think um, maybe Bloodlines might have a little. I'm sure somebody could analyze that better than I could. <laughs> but yeah, well, I think from my perspective, I think it holds up. Okay. And then um, do you have any final thoughts that we haven't discussed? Not about these episodes specifically, but I'm enjoying the show more than I thought I would. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I was to say, I, I did like how in Bloodlines, when they were leaving Chulak, that they saluted Braytac as they left. I was like, oh, that's cute. They're like becoming friends. That's nice. Yeah. Well, buddies. Mm -hmm. All right. So next week, we're going to be watching episodes 13 and 14, Hathor and Singularity. And you're welcome to watch along with us. And we are definitely going to be talking about some women representation in Hathor. So that's going to be really exciting. <laughs> All right. It's time for your next quote to see if you can guess who says it and why. Are you ready? Your quote is, I suggest we neutralize her. All right. I'm guessing Hathor has a lot of women in it. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing they are intense in some way, shape, or form. And this intensity is going to impact the SG-1 team. So I guess that Teal'c is going to suggest they just neutralize her to get her to knock it off. <laughs> Whatever to this get, might be. To get who to knock... Who are they neutralizing? One of the women on Hathor. Oh, just any one of them. Just a woman is going to... So non-specific. Non-specific. Like one of the, you know, characters of the week. Oh, okay. New character. Uh, so a new character, not new Sam. Character. Not Sam, no. Oh, okay. Okay. So Teal'c is saying this about a new character. Yes. Okay. Watch well, we'll see. Sam now. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for today. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. Um, you can find the Geeky Waffle on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Geeky Waffle. And I'm forgetting something, the geekywaffle.com. That's where we have like reviews, book reviews, all of our podcasts, TV reviews. Chelsea writes there, I write there. It's a good time. So be sure to check that out. 
All right. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.